Welcome, everybody. And welcome those who are visiting on, uh, online. My name is Reed Hauser. I, uh, I have 10 church here, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, Pastor Mike and uh, the male contingency of the family are out uh, having a man week, I guess, right? Out in the western states. What's that? Montana. So they're out there for a few days, and Pastor Mike asked if I would take this service. So it, uh, it's always an honor to be able to, uh, to have the opportunity to preach the Word of God. And um, I hope you get something out of this evening. Um, did anybody get a storm last night? We had uh, wind, rain. Anybody damage? We have a big play thing for our grandkids. Blew over last night. Yeah, you too? Yeah, so a few limbs down, nothing serious though. But I tell you what, the world is going crazy, isn't it? I mean, there's so much stuff going on. You watch the news and you're going, can it get any worse? <laughs> and then tomorrow it gets worse. <laughs> We've, we filled up the gas uh, tank um, on a Thursday, a couple weeks ago. I went to town the next Saturday, so just a couple days later. It went up 40 cents. I went home and put all my gas cans in the safe. <laughs> I'm, I'm going, you know. I mean, there's, you know, you look around and like I said, there's just things that are just, they're just going crazy. I mean, the normality is out the window. Um, and, you know, for some, this is an opportunity uh, to get in fear. But we don't have to be in fear. We don't have to be concerned about what tomorrow is going to hold because we know who holds tomorrow. Right? I mean, we serve the living God, the creator of heaven and earth. We don't have to be concerned about what tomorrow is when we put our trust in him. You know, the thing that dispels fear is love. And in, uh, in 1 John 4, if you want to open your Bibles or your device there, 1 John uh, chapter 4, and Julia, I'm sorry, I didn't add this one to the list. It was light, late edition. So chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Why does, you know, the question is, why does love cast out fear? Well, you know, I, I'm always reminded when I was a kid, you know, when something was scared me, man, I ran to my mom or dad. They'd pick me up and they'd hold me. God's just like that. You know, we can abide in his presence, in his arms, just like we did, you know, just like I did when I was a kid. You know, and it, you know, listen, I know we, a lot of us may have not experienced the kind of love, that kind of love before, because we come from a lot of different backgrounds. There's a lot of different experiences. I understand that. But I will say this, that God is not like any human or earthly father. He, is, he transcends any love, even the, even, you know, he goes way beyond any expectation you could have or put on somebody to love you. Because his love is, is a choice that he made. The, the Greek word for love in this scripture is agape. It means God made a choice to love you. And you can't change God's love. You can't change his mind. That's what I meant. You can't change his mind. Because the Bible says that he is today the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He made a decision to love you. And so when we run to him, we know that we can we can rest in his security. We can rest in his comfort. We can, we can, there's a sense of belonging in his presence. And he dispels that fear. 
you know, we're not a people without hope, right? There's a lot of people in the world today that have no hope. And like I said before, we, we serve the Lord God of heaven and earth. And we can rely on his word. We can rely on, on him to, to do what he said he would do. You know, and one of, the, one of the reasons we can access the promises of God is because of our covenant relationship we have with him. You know, through, throughout the existence of man, with the exception of when God created man in the garden, there has been a covenant relationship between God and man. And the reason for those is because of the fall. And Jesus came to establish a new and better covenant, a covenant established on better promises. The, uh, the, the, new, the new Testament term for uh, covenant is diatheke. It is arrangement made by one party with full power, which the other party may accept or reject, but cannot change. And that's a perfect example of the, of the new birth. You know, we have an opportunity to accept or reject what God has provided for us. The choice is ours. He, he gave it to us. We can accept and, and, and enter into that covenant. And when we do, we, we, can, uh, we can rely on him. Our covenant defines our relationship with God. It is the basis of our faith. It establishes and perpetuates our relationship with God. It is the foundation of our peace it is the essence of our life, it is the core of our healing, and it is the footing on which we stand. We can always run to him. We can always run to his word and rely and know that what he said he will bring to pass because God never fails, because love never fails. And the Bible says that God is love and his love never fails. This covenant that we had was established through Jesus' blood. He shed his blood so that we could have access to every promise. Every promise. It's not, it's not just so, it's, 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 more of, um, it's more of a right, if you will. Because when you enter a covenant, we are able then to take, a, take part in everything that God has made available to us. That covenant is the key that unlocks the doors to the promises of God. We don't have to go timidly before him. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy. We can go boldly before him and, and expect to receive from him because it's our covenant right. It's the thing that God provided for us. It's the thing that Jesus shed his blood for us for. That's why he laid down his life so that we could have that new and better covenant so we could access the very promises of God. The old covenant was established on, 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 on works, Touch not, taste not, handle not. It had ordinances that you had to do this on a certain day. You had to do this. You couldn't do that. The New Testament is based on love. It's based on grace and his mercy. Just as the Old Testament says his mercy endures forever and his grace is sufficient. I mean, that alone to me gives me comfort that his mercy endures forever and his grace is sufficient. What does that mean? That means no matter what it is that you may have done or whatever, his grace is sufficient. Or whatever challenge you're facing, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. 
Our covenant, like I said, gives us right standing with God through the blood of Jesus. This right standing gives us access to every promise, and the promise gets us over in life. It's not based on how we feel about ourselves or how we see ourselves. So many times we, we see God through a clouded lens of how we see ourselves. You know, so many times we reflect what people have said about us. You know, we look in the mirror and, and we, we see all of our imperfections and our, and our mistakes and the things we've done wrong. But I tell you, God doesn't see any of that. He looks past all of that to you. God's not, God's not holding up a stick ready to, you know, swat you on the head. He looks past our imperfections. He looks past our mistakes. And he looks at your heart. God's not, you know, we, 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 we look about, we think about all the things that people may have said to us, all the things that people may have done to us. You know, there's, in my life, I think about, you know, the things that I went through as a, you know, growing up. And I, listen, I, I had a great family, right? I mean, they, they loved me, but there were still challenges. All of us go to public, well, most of us all probably went to public school. I did anyway. And uh, public school can be a challenge. Not everybody there loves you. You didn't know that. Um, and not everybody who says you're, they're your friend, they're not your friend, really. And my dad had a term for that, which I won't tell you right now. Um, but, um, and, and you, you know, you go through stuff. And sometimes it's a challenge to get through that. It's a challenge to get past the, the image that we build in, within our mind and in, within our soul even of how we see ourselves because of, of what people have said or what they've done to us. But we can never let people define who we are and who God has created us to be. And sometimes that's the toughest part is to get past that. That's why the Bible says we need to renew our mind with the washing of the water of the word. Through the washing of the water of the word. It's through his word that brings peace and comfort and a realization that you're loved, that, that, that somebody cares for you, that somebody is concerned about you, that somebody is willing to stand up for you. And that's what our Heavenly Father does. And it's, you know, it's replete throughout the, throughout the, the scriptures. You know, no, no matter what we've gone through, or what we've done, I want to share a little bit of hope with you. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, what does that mean? Do I have a different hair color? Am I taller? I always wanted to be like 6'3", six, 6'4". That didn't change after I got saved. I'm still, you know, six one and a half. Don't forget the half. <laughs> uh, my brother, unfortunately, got the height that I wanted, but I don't hold that against him. <clears throat> um, you know, no, it, it, our physical appearance doesn't change, but what changes is the inside. 
it changes on the inside. And that new creation is something that God put in and established and made in us. We are now alive to him and we're dead to sin. So God, God created in us this special new creation. You know, and we, the Bible also says that we've been redeemed from the curse. And if you want to look it up later, it's in Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68. There's a whole list of stuff in there under the old covenant that was pronounced as, you know, if you violated the law, these are the curse, right? And you can read through them. It's an ugly list. You know, I wouldn't read it before you go to bed, but, um, but it's an ugly list of, of stuff that could happen. But we've been redeemed from that. That means we don't have to, even though that curse may be still in the world and operating in the world, we don't have to partake of it. We don't have to put up with it. Well, what does that mean? That means we've been redeemed. We've been set apart from that. We have authority over it. It's, been, it's under our feet because Jesus put it there when he died and rose again. So we've been, we've been set for, and look, let's, uh, look, let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That the blessing of Abraham, there was, there's a, there's a um, at least in my limited research, there's three um, never-ending or, yeah, never-ending um, covenants. One is the Abrahamic covenant. Two is the new covenant. And can anybody think of what the third one is? It's the rainbow, right? This is an everlasting covenant for you that I'll never flood the earth again. So that, that blessing that he's mentioning here that might come on us, the blessing of Abraham, prosperity, health, all the protections that come along with the covenant of Abraham come on us. Why? Because Jesus made it that way. Because Jesus died on the cross and purchased that for us. Christianity is called the great exchange. We exchange our weakness for his strength. And that's, you, can find, you can look it up in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. We exchange our poverty for his riches, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Our sickness for his health in Isaiah 53, 5. Our guilt and shame for his sanctifications in Romans 9, 33. Our filthy rags of self-righteousness for his righteousness in Romans 5, 19 and Isaiah 64, 6. And our lack, uh, and our lack for his provision. He's our provider, he's our redeemer, he's our deliverer, he's our protector, our healer, our guide, our teacher, our strength. He's our provider, he's our comforter, and he's our peace because he is the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We can have that peace because he is our Prince of Peace. John 4, 14, 27 says, 
And this is Jesus speaking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither neither let it be afraid. We We can walk in that peace and that comfort knowing that whatever we go through, whatever comes up, we can have that peace within us. When the storm is raging, last night, for example, you know, our phones were going off and stuff, and, you know, you know there was, uh, I guess there was an opportunity to be, to be afraid. I just kind of said, no harm shall come to this house, and rolled over and went back to sleep. And, you know, we didn't do much past that, you know. And pretty soon it went away, and no harm came to us. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We, the Bible also says we, can, we should cast our care on him. Casting all of our care on him. You know, this isn't this, you know, what's going on right now in the world. We have an, a marvelous opportunity to cast care on him because it comes at us from every direction at home, at work, at the grocery store, at the gas pump, on TV. You pick, you know, you pick the source and, and it's coming from all directions. You know, the Bible never said that, that, uh, that we would be without trouble that we would be without challenges. But what he did say is he would make a way through them. And that's exactly what we do. When we rely on his word, when we, when we reach out to him, we, we know that we have a petition. When we make our petition, we know it's heard. We can have a surety that God hears us and, and experience that peace. In, in 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care on him. Why? For he cares for you. But what's the next, what's the next verse say? It says, be, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings and experience by your brother in the world. So it'll come. Stuff will come. Bad news will come. Prices will go up. But he's got an answer. In Romans 10, 17, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible also says that faith works by love and that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. That means God gave us the capacity to operate in faith. We say, my love isn't quite like God's love. Well, you have that capacity within you. It's learning, and like we said, we said earlier, talked about earlier about getting in the word, realizing who you are in Christ, understanding who God is to you and your relationship to him because that love of God has been placed on the inside of us so we have the capacity to love just like he loves. Sometimes that's hard. But just like God, we have to make a decision. Are we gonna love like he loves? Love the unlovely? 
love those who persecute us and, and say mean things and you know, look down on us and despise us for no good reason. They just woke up you know, on the wrong side of the bed or whatever it is. You know, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've gone, what did I do? You know, it, probably nothing. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Some people are just growly. <laughs> you know? That's when you forgive them and go on. Pray for them and, and, and don't, let it, don't let their words drive your decisions. Let the word of God drive your decisions. That's why we need to put his word on the inside of us and be led and guided by what his word says. In Proverbs um, 3, it says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For the length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. God's there for us. You know, we talked about casting our care on him, getting the word of God on the inside of us, let mercy and truth, don't forsake them. You know, we do have a part to play. God doesn't just, you know, is gonna make us do this, right? We have a choice, we have a decision, we have a part to play. We actually have to do the loving. We have to spend time in the, in the word. The Bible says, set your face like flint towards God and seek him. And you know what? When you seek, you'll find. When you knock, it'll be opened. God is faithful to his word and he's faithful to his covenant. He's faithful to his people. In Proverbs 4.20, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings and do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issue of life. You know, the attacks that we see coming at us, they come from things we see, things that happen to us, things that people say, that we hear, right? But we can't let those things get into our heart. That's why the Bible says to guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. Guard your heart, protect it. Don't allow the, your heart to be hardened because of what somebody said or what they did or maybe you've let yourself down. You know what I'm saying? Don't let your heart become hard. Keep it soft before him. You know, David wrote in Psalm 51, God, give, give me a, a heart of flesh and my heart of stone. This is the psalm, if you read through it, it's, it's David repenting after the Bathsheba incident. David prostrates himself before God and asks for God's forgiveness 
and to return unto him a heart of flesh for a heart of stone. We need to protect our heart for out of it flow the issues of life. What does that mean? That means, you know, we need to put God's word in there, allow God's word to soften our hearts, make us tender before him. Now listen, you know, I, I've, I can't tell you how many times, you know, when I was first saved, one, um, one incident sticks out that um, when I went to college, I had a, a Bible study. And I started out with me and one other person. And we met every, um, every uh, uh, Saturday night. It was kind of an alternate alternative to, you know, for people who were going out and doing, you know, going to bars or whatever. So that's when we, that's when we held it. And um, by, the, uh, by the end of this, this semester, we had like 15 or 20 people coming on a regular basis, which is awesome. We, I had, uh, I brought in a guest speaker, a friend of mine to speak one time. We had about 50 people show up to that. And we had about 15 or 20 people get born again. It was awesome. I mean, God was doing stuff at college. And he could still do it on college campuses today. But shortly after that, a guy who I had thought was my friend, I mean, viciously attacked me for some stupid things. And, and I really let that affect me for quite some time because I didn't know I needed to guard my heart. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we could go around the room and you could give examples of how somebody's attacked you when you, you know, you're pouring yourself out and you get slapped or somebody kicks you in the shins or does something, right? And you're doing it out of a, man, I just thought I was just trying to do the right thing. And you get punched in the face. But we can't allow those things to harden our hearts because that separates us from the promises of God. So we need to soften our hearts and be tender before him. <clears throat> I, I've, um, you know, like I, we've been talking about, you know, stuff going on. And um, I have, this is, this is my list of scriptures. At the type, type and I've had this for whew, probably 20 years, okay? This is, it says, uh, scriptures to get you through it whatever it is, and it's capitals. I don't know if you can see it there, um, but these are, my, these are mine. And I, and, I, and I read the, you know, most of them are in the Psalms, but these are my go-to things. This is, this is what, you know, if something's going on in my life, man, I, I, I get away from everybody, and, and this is what I, I go to the Word. I, I can remember a few years ago, um, <clears throat> the company that I was working with, um, we had hired a guy who was, um, you know, he, he made a lot of money, was a sales, was a sales type of uh, role. Um, he, he, was a, he, made, he was a million dollar producer. It means he made a, you know, he sold at least a, or made a million dollars a year in his sales. So his sales, you know, were quite a bit larger than that. So, you know, he was attractive to the firm, right, to bring revenue into the company. The unfortunate thing is, is that we had policies and procedures that had to be followed in order to bring on new, rat, you know, new, new, new hires. And they had all had to be vetted and looked at and, you know, had a committee was set up to review them. 
um, and to make sure that everybody's good with that before we brought a person on, right? Well, the, uh, the CEO uh, didn't do that, just hired the guy. Bring him on board, signs the contracts. Now we got a contract with this guy uh, for two years. So the guy's practices weren't exactly up to snuff. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Enough so that the Securities Exchange Commission got involved and uh, we got an audit. And then we had to go to, uh, you know, to testify. And since I was the compliance officer of the company, um, I had to do that. Now, I hadn't done anything wrong, but I don't know about you, but I, well, I, had, I ended up spending about three months in, um, in Washington, D.C., preparing for uh, depositions. Um, I had three attorneys uh, that were with me, um, two of which were my direct um, attorneys, let me, there's a little bit of backstory there. <clears throat> so when we, this whole thing initially started, the, the, the company said, well, we'll get a, attorneys for everybody. You know, I mean, the company will have attorneys. A couple days later, they came and knock, there was a knock on my door, in my office door, and uh, they said, well, uh, Reed, you're going to need to get your own attorney. I go, okay. Um, since I was a compliance guy, I guess I was a hostile, you know, to the, to the company. You know, so I had to get my own attorney. Well, they had made some recommendations. The company, I didn't trust a word they said. <laughs> so needless to say, I did a lot of due diligence about uh, it, the, my attorney before I actually, and I didn't have to pay for it. Just, you know, the company paid for it, but I still had, I still wanted somebody who was going to fairly represent me, right? Ended up finding a guy and uh, then, you know, spent some, spent the time preparing. And... I tell you that it's, it's pretty intimidating when you go to DC and then you show up at the SEC's building, you go through the scanners and all that kind of stuff, and then you go down into the basement of the SEC in a windowless cement brick um, room for eight hours for four days. It's a little intimidating when you've got the SEC lawyers there and all yours. So needless to say, these became extremely important to me. And I would, I, I tell you that the first time I, and I went through every these, I went through every one of these scriptures every night. And it's not just scriptures, it's uh, chapters. I mean, if you can see this, most all of them, there's quite a list here. I read them all out loud. First couple of nights, it took me all the way through everything before I finally felt that peace. For God's word became a reality to me and I felt that peace. And I could sleep. Next day, get up, get ready, go, come back. And I, you know, pretty soon I didn't have to get all the way through the list. Because what was I doing? I was putting God's word, continually feeding on his word, putting his promises in my heart. By the time it was over, I would just get started reading and the peace, I could just feel that, that fear and anxiety and that worry leave. And that's what I'm talking about, is getting the word of God on the inside of us. No matter what's going on in the world, God is bigger. His word is true and he will give you that peace. Now, to end the story, 
Um, nothing happened to me. I didn't do anything wrong. But there was a few guys who got kicked out of the industry and banned and banned. They got fined and then banned from the industry for life. So it didn't, it didn't turn out too good for, uh, for some of them. Um, but, but I tell you, through that whole thing, uh, it was God that got me through it. It was absolutely, I, I mean, <laughs> the first day I got to, to D.C., I mean, I was a wreck. You know, I got I to gotta figure this out. So that's when I, I took my Bible and I got to work. And maybe you're going through stuff in your life. Get out your Bible and get to work. Get in his word and let his word get in you. Allow his word to be comfort to you. Allow his word to shine a light in your heart. Allow that peace that passes all understanding consume you. Let him be your prince of peace. We can never give up. We can never stop speaking. We can never stop doing his word. In James chapter 1, verses 21, it says, Therefore, lay aside all, um, all filthiness and overcome uh, overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in a mirror, for he observes himself and, does, and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in all he does. We do have a part to play. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, and I'm not going to read the entire chapter, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but I'm going to start in, in verse 3. It says, Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your body, and the the produce of the ground and the inheritance of your herds and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Now, maybe you don't have cattle and flocks and all that kind of stuff. You got a job? You got a job? There you go. God will help increase you wherever you're at. He'll bless the work of your hand. You put your hand faithfully to do the work that you're doing, God will bless you. He'll bless you. Stay on God's side. Speak his word. Blessed shall, you, shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to, who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come in against you one way and flee before you seven. You know, the Bible says that, you know, the enemy's going to come, but you can watch him run seven different directions when he comes after the, the child of God. The Lord will com, uh, command, command, not request, command his blessing on you and your storehouses. You got a bank account, you got a checking account, you got a piggy bank, you got something shoved under the mattress, that's your storehouse. <laughs> He'll command his blessing on it. Who knows, you may walk in tomorrow and pick up there and there's money. I don't know. You know what I'm saying. 
He'll command his blessing on you, on your storehouses, and all which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And I'm going to skip down to verse 13. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. In Psalm 18:1, it says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. These are some of the, I'm just going to highlight some of the, my get you through it scriptures, because I love these. I mean, I, I, I love these. I will love you, O Lord, with my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from my enemies. Now does that sound like a God that doesn't care? He's our, he's our deliverer. He's our fortress. What's a fortress? That's some place you can run for protection. The Bible also says that we, can, we abide in the shadow of his wings. I mean, you remember when he was a little kid? You run into bed and pull up the covers? <laughs> Feel safe, right? Well, it's a little different, abiding under the shadow of his wings, because there's a whole lot more power than a little blankie. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Our kids used to do that. I, I probably did it. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying. He's our salvation and our stronghold. Psalm 20, starting at verse 6, it says, Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven. With his saving strength in his right hand, some trust in chariots, some trust in, some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed um, and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Those who come out against us, they'll be scattered, just like we read earlier. You know, you read through these, uh, these psalms, and it's amazing, David's relationship with God. I mean, David didn't have the same covenant that we had. We have a, a much better covenant. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. David knew him by his acts, what he did, what he saw. We know him because he's on the inside of us. We have an intimate relationship with our Father God. Psalm 27 and I've got a lot of these, I'm not going to read them all. The Lord is my light and my salvation, of who shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? The wicked come out against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumble and fell. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though, though war rise against me, in this I am confident, the one thing I desire of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple for the time of trouble. And he shall um, hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. And he shall, um, uh, um, and he shall set me on a, upon a rock. <clears throat> the, um, there's one more thing I want to just talk about uh, before we close tonight. We are here for such a time as this. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. We can't allow what's going on in the world to distract us from why we're here.
God has called us and put us in this time at this place for a reason. You have a purpose, you have a plan, and God wants to make sure it comes to pass. The Bible says that he has a, he has a, a book that's written about you. I want to make sure everything he's written about me comes to pass. But we're here in this time, right today, in this season, for a reason. He's brought us here to do a work. He's brought us here to reach the lost, to reach the world. We cannot cower because of what men are trying to do. We cannot be frightened by their evil schemes that they try to bring to pass. We need to look to the Lord for his strength, for his wisdom, and his courage. Who among you are warriors? Who among you are the mighty men? Who among you are the mentors? Who among you are the preachers? Who among you are the Esthers? In Esther chapter 4, verse 13. Now, a little bit of backstory on Esther. Esther was a Jew, just an ordinary girl, right? The king of the land decides to have a banquet and summons his wife to come down and parade herself in front of all the dignitaries and the big wigs and the big shots and all that, right? She says, ah, uh, no. So the king gets upset. So he asks his, you know, guys, what are we going to do here? Because if we let Esther get away with this, and all the women are going to want to do that, and we can't have that. So what are we going to do? So he says, well, kick her out. Let's get a new one. Let's get some, you know, hot young babes in here and present them before the king and let him pick one. Now, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but that's in essence what they did, right? So here comes all these virgins, these young women, and there is a process they go through. When the, in the, behind the scenes, there's a guy who hates the Jews and wants them all dead. Well, uh, Esther's uncle said, you know what, don't tell anybody you're a Jew. Just keep it under your hat and see what happens. So that's what she does. Well, as it turns out, this guy who wanted to kill the Jews had the ear of the king. Right? Tricks the king into a plan to get rid of all of the Jews. By this time, Esther's queen. Mordecai comes to Esther because Esther doesn't want to go before the king because unless she's summoned, you know, it's, you're dead. So in verse 4 here, in 13, it says, Mordecai, Esther's uncle, told, uh, told them, and, and this is the, the people that they were communicating, answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will see, uh, escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. 
Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther told them to reply, Mordecai, go gather the Jews um, and, and present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will, will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther was put in that place for such a time as that. You are here for such a time as this. To take God's word, to be a light in, dark, in, a, in the darkness, to be a beacon to the lost. You have within you everything you need because Christ is in us. God is in the inside of us. He is our light. He is our strength. He is our wisdom. He'll put the words in your mouth to speak in due season. He'll, he'll, he'll give you the words to speak that will minister to somebody. Things that I've, I've been amazed that I've been talking to people and you know, stuff will come out. I'm going, where did that come from? Well, that's the Holy Ghost speaking to that person. And he'll use you if you'll just put yourself in a position to be used by him. Humbling ourselves and allow God to work through us to reach a lost and dying world. That's why we're here. To be a beacon of hope to those around us. To be a refuge for those who are troubled. To bring peace to the troubled heart. To minister God's word to those who need it. That's why we're here. For such a time as this. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you've never made a decision or maybe you're watching online tonight and you've never made a decision to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's not difficult. Jesus made it easy. All you have to do is ask him to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins and he'll do it. Or maybe you're here tonight and maybe you think your life is a train wreck and you haven't been living the way you know you should be living. Well, God can fix your life. God can fix your life. If you'll just yield to him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight, and maybe one of those things rings true with you, if you just slip up your hand and put it right back down, I want to pray with you tonight. And if you're online and you've never made a decision to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can do that tonight too. We're going to pray here in a minute. And all you have to do is repeat this prayer and, and, and um, meet it in your heart. And God will visit you wherever you're at. He'll touch you in a way that you never dreamed possible. So is there anybody as I look across the room this evening? Well, pre-adventure, there may be somebody online who needs that prayer I would invite you to pray with me this evening. 
loud enough for you to hear yourself pray. Heavenly Father, just repeat after me if you would. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and I ask that you forgive me of all my sin and unrighteousness. And I invite you into my life to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, you guys were awesome listeners.